What's up, everybody? We're going to let some people come in here tonight. Hello, hello. Um, this is our live Q&A show. We do this um, every single Tuesday, 7 p.m. Making sure I got all my, my stuff together here. Had some great questions throughout the week. Um, thank you in advance for, for uh, to all those who uh, have submitted questions. That means uh, a whole lot to us. It makes the show fun. And, uh, and as always, we're going to bring in Dr. Rogers here in a second. We're just going to let a few more people come in, say hello. Um, hey, Barbara, how's it going? How are you? Um, hello, Molly. How's it going? Great to see you. Um, hope everything is going wonderfully uh, for everybody. Hoping everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, this is our our favorite evening of the week. Um, get to hang out with with Doc a little bit. Bianca, how's it going? Good to see you, Corey. How's it going, Kathy? What's going on, Sherry? Uh, Motaz, what's going on, man? Motaz is over on YouTube, as is Kathy. Thank you guys for uh, for hanging out on the on the YouTube channel. Jessica, how's it going? Um, I don't know where Bozeman is. I'm assuming that's Montana. Um, I know we got, uh, I think we have uh, Atlanta in the building tonight. We got some, some Atlanta folks. Um, hello to the Atlanta people. Uh, Deborah, how's it going? Um, thank you guys for, for being here tonight. We got, um, we got a good show lined up. Um, Terry uh, in South Carolina. All right, Bozeman is in in Montana. Did a little, got a little geography lesson tonight. Thank you for that, <laughs> um, Terry. I, I hope South Carolina is uh, is wonderful. Little known fact: I was born in South Carolina, um, in Spartanburg. Um, okay, so we're gonna bring in bring in Doc here. We got our Katie. What's going on? How are you? Our operations manager is in the building. Uh, thank you for hanging out. Um, as always, um, Dr. Rogers, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, Ben, how are you? I am wonderful. We got a great crowd tonight. Um, Lisa, Lisa is here. Hello. Hello. Carter, Carter is here. Hello, Carter. How's it going? Love Carter. and miss you. Uh, Barbara. Okay. We got, we got questions coming in. We're going to get to those here in a bit. Um, if you do you have know, you questions, know, Ben, it's good to have, we've got people from several different states tonight and I'm really happy, especially the Nashville group that's we're going to welcome in. And I have pretty good news for you in Nashville. Hopefully we're going to have a clinic there within a year. We're hoping for next summer that we'll have a clinic in Nashville that can, um, that can help you out with your medical needs. We're, you know, a, we're excited, I'm excited about that. Excited about Nashville. If we have any Nashville people uh, say hello. Uh, I know, I know Rose, the Nash, Nashville one. She sometimes hangs out. Um, Mark, how's it going, man? Mark's uh, got some great questions as always. I'm excited about getting to those. Um, okay. So we're going to, we're going to get in here, uh, to, I'm the, a little bit nervous about Mark's questions, but <laughs> otherwise <laughs> I do have to, I have to admit, you know, I, I don't always get the, the Mark questions come in early. So I get to those last on, on Tuesdays. So, um, so you're, you're not always prepped for, for Mark's, uh, deep dive questions. Mark's one of those guys that needs to be in a think tank somewhere, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, with all the smart people, you know, uh, we're, we're excited to get to, to Mark's <laughs> questions as well as, you know, every, everyone else's questions who came in. We had a few come in on Instagram. Thank you for everybody who is, uh, following us over there. Uh, performance medicine TN is our uh, handle over there. All right. We're going to, we're going to get to it here. Um, all right. Start off with a, a COVID question. Okay. What are your thoughts on the flu shots and COVID shots being administered together? Is it a good idea considering all the complications people are having with just the COVID shot? Um, now I want you to remember that what I'm going to talk about tonight as always is, um, not meant as medical advice. It's my opinion. You can take it or leave it. Um, I don't care, but I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And no, you should not take both those shots. You should not take either one of them. Um, I definitely wouldn't take them together. Why would you want to do that to yourself? I mean, you talk about putting your immune system on in high gear and trying to flare things up a little bit. 
you know, I used to take flu shots every year and, and I had all these patients tell me, doctor, every time I take a flu shot, I get the flu. And, and I would immediately tell them what I'd been taught. I would tell you that's, that's total BS. The flu shot does not give you flu. And then as the years wore on and so many thousands of patients told me this, I started actually believing them. And besides with all the data you read about the flu shot, it's so inaccurate anyway. It's just a, a guess. You know, it's maybe right one out of three strains. So, gosh, I haven't taken the flu shot in years. And so I, I wouldn't – I won't say everybody shouldn't take the flu shot or even the COVID shot. But, you know, high-risk people probably should if you live in a nursing home or work in a nursing home or, you know, you're just around it all the time or, you know, maybe you should take them. But otherwise, I wouldn't. Um, you know, that's my, own, that's my own opinion. Plus, you know, I'm out, I'm out here in the field. I'm treating hundreds and into the thousands of COVID patients. Right now we're having a surge, of course, of the Delta variant, mm -hmm. most likely. And we're, we're treating at least 20 patients a day with COVID over the phone, of course. And in my estimate, it's probably 60, 70 percent of those people I'm treating have been vaccinated with both the vaccines. So it's definitely not protecting you against uh, COVID. There's no doubt about that. I think you're actually I think you're more predisposed to get this Delta variant if you've had the vaccine. Maybe you won't end up in the hospital with it. I don't know. That's what they're claiming. But um, have you believed anything they've told you so far about this? It's, it's an unending story. Um, you know, so you got to make your own decision. You know, I can, I can give you my opinion based on a lot of deep dives into the research and taking a lot of courses, treating many, many people with COVID, seeing it in my own family, you know, I've, I've, uh, we actually had one death and an elderly member of our family in Arkansas. I mean, COVID's a real thing, but, um, you know, you're going to hear a lot of uh, misinformation on it. Like all these kids are getting it. That, that's not right. Kids are not getting it much. Um, and if they're getting it and ended up on, in the hospital on it, um, they have some uh, comorbid conditions like morbid obesity is the most common one. But, um, but anyway, so no, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, so next question. <laughs> next question is, uh, I just watched last week's uh, show last night. Thank you for that, uh, referring to last week's Q&A. Um, and you said you may have lifelong immunity if you have had COVID from, from natural immunity. Uh, do you have any stats on this? Is there anything that you're seeing uh, in your research as far as, you know, lifelong immunity? You know, there's no stats on this at all. I mean, gosh, you know, this thing's just starting. So how do you know? I mean, there's no, there's no evidence yet that... Um, well, but there, there are a lot of great scientists that um, think there's no doubt that your B cell immunity is the one that's the shortest lived. The T cell immunity, which you get from having natural COVID, uh, not so much from the vaccines. Um, and again, I'm not here to trash the vaccines. If you've had it, fine, um, you know, especially if you're at risk. But um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of problems with the vaccines. Also, a lot of adverse effects on the vaccine. I mean, untold. And most of them aren't reported. Um, multiple deaths, thousands and thousands have died within three days of that vaccine. I'm getting off course here. Um, you know, I don't have any hard evidence, but the, uh, the supposition is that um, that once your T cells get kind of upregulated to recognize another round of the virus, whether it's a mutation or not. Remember, the mutation is about 3% different than uh, the previous mutations. And there's going to be a long line of mutations that we're going to go, we're going to see. Um, but the supposition is that these memory cells are going to be located in your bone marrow and that they, they will, they're almost like invisible, but when you're um, attacked with another uh, variant of COVID that they'll remember it and come out to fight it, you know, um, 
unlike you know creating a spike protein on every cell in your body the problem with that is there's also a supposition there that um you know if you have all these spike proteins all over your body and you are attached you you your body recognizes another coronavirus, i.e. the common cold is a coronavirus, that your immune system may overreact and create that cytokine storm and damage your lungs. But again, these are suppositions on both sides. So, you know, nobody really knows for sure. Um, so, but um, you have to choose. And, you know, if you're a major risk of it, um, you might want to take the chance on the vaccine over getting the virus. Um, if you weigh 300 pounds, diabetic, asthmatic, heart disease, uh, you don't take vitamins, um, you're terribly out of shape, um, then you might want to consider protecting yourself. But um, in my opinion, the best thing that could happen to you is you get COVID and you get through it as a mild cold-like illness and you have your natural immunity, which we know lasts longer than the, than the vaccine immunity. I mean, that, that's, I don't think anybody doubts that. So, um, it's, so it's, go ahead. So you have to kind of, you know, do a deep dive on the research. I wish Mark was in here talking about it because he would definitely go off on it. But um, I've talked to a lot of smart people. And um, so don't just blindly follow what they're telling you on uh, the mainstream news, you know, why they're pushing the vaccine on small children. I'll never know, you know, um, or people that have had COVID. If you've had COVID, you don't need the vaccine. You don't want the vaccine. Um, so again, this is my opinion and you can take it or leave it. Um, you know, there's not enough evidence out there either way yet. So my advice to you is take care of your own immune system um, and go from there. I'm sure we're going to get into this a lot on the next question. So hopefully it answered your question. And, and this is this is a it's kind of a, a an add on. So as far as like immunity time period with, you know, if you do get covid, you know, how long you're immune and you're I think you're I heard you say we don't know yet. We don't know yet. But for the shot, you know, it may be I don't think it's. It's been shown that it's not, um, it doesn't last past about six months. That's why they're pushing the booster. And again, everybody's different. It may last three months on somebody, nine months on another. Um, and we're not far enough into it uh, with a natural immunity, but getting another infection after you've had the natural virus is pretty rare. Uh, getting an infection after the vaccine is common, very common especially with the new mute mutation. I mean, there's no question about that. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that question, guys. Um, here's another uh, COVID question. Do you have any insight as to why uh, so many physicians say get the vaccine to those who have had COVID? Yeah, because they're pushing everybody to get the vaccine. Um, you know, whether you've had COVID, whether you're a kid. Um, Even the physicians yeah. are, are pushing that? Yeah, most physicians are pushing the vaccine. I mean, you know, most everybody in the healthcare system, uh, that's because they blindly follow what they've been told by the government. And you look at the CDC, they follow what the CDC is telling us. And, and the CDC has really let us down um, on this whole thing. At the end of this podcast or whatever this is, questions, um, I'm going to refer you to a seven-minute video presented by Dr. Dan Strock. Um, he's a, a family doc like me who's trained in integrative medicine and uh, immunity specialist. And he gives a great talk to his local school board. And this thing's kind of going viral. I had several people send it to me today. And uh, you need to, we'll post it on here because I want to share it because he gives the most succinct concise um, summary of what's going on with COVID and also the vaccines. So I want you, I'm going to post that. And if you don't watch that, you know, you're going to be missing out and you can, you need to share it with people because I think it's the best summary of what's going on. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. We're both treating COVID with ivermectin and, and uh, we're definitely on the same page, but 
um, we will link this in where you can go to that video. It's seven or eight minutes, but it's well worth watching. So if we we can, if we can find a a link to that, and I'm I'm sure some people in here have, have seen the video, we'll, we'll put that in the, in the comments uh, so that, so that people have kind of easy access to it. Yeah. And if you don't get it tonight, we'll put it on the, our, our website uh, by tomorrow for sure. But um, I hope everybody sees it because it's, it's so much common sense and it's so much science behind it that, it's irrefutable. So did I get to the question about how long, um, how long will the shot last or natural immunity? Was that the question? Well, that was the one before was how long natural immunity versus, um, you know, immunity with the shot. And you said with the shot, it kind of varies, you know, six months, some people if three months, natural immunity is longer, but that's pretty much all we, all we know. Yeah. I'm not saying that they won't come up with a better vaccine, you know, I'll, I'm always talking about the Novavax vaccine that may be a better vaccine, but I'll have to tell you, I was a little disappointed today because um, I treated my first patient that had the Novavax back in March and um, now has COVID mm. So uh, as of today. So that was a little disappointing for me. And they also ask them how they felt after the Novavax vaccine. They felt awful for about a d- whole day, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, so that was a little bit disappointing, but, uh, and again, that was, that was a uh, research. It hasn't been approved here in the U S but that was a trial. Which they definitely got the, the real thing, but, uh, two of them, but, uh, anyway, so there's breakthrough on that one too. So, um, all right. Well, here's uh, another another COVID question dealing with ivermectin. Having ha- having had COVID last December, do I need now to be taking ivermectin for this present outbreak? You have less need of it from, than a person that's had the vaccine. But um, you know, I will tell you that my whole family's taken a once a week ivermectin, which is completely safe. Um, but uh, and they're taking two of my kids are taking it all three of them, really two of them had the natural COVID did fine. It was like a mild cold and they're both type one diabetics, by the way. But, um, so, um, certainly I would, because I mean, it's not going to hurt you and it may, uh, even protect you a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, uh, probably kind of protection on top of protection. You, you really, you're the least person that needs it, but it's not going to hurt you to do it. Um, you know, because we're going to be facing other variations of this thing. Um, All right. Do you do you tell people to cycle on and off that out of curiosity? Because, um, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, we've been taking ivermectin prophylactically. Do you suggest cycling off or just... No, but, you know, I mean, if it disappears in your community entirely, you know, you can get off of it. And if mm-hmm. it start ma- starts making a comeback and another mutation comes out, then get back on it. All right. Um, let's get to the to the next one here. Um, I'll just remind everybody we got a few more minutes of, of questions who, that have come in throughout the week. Um, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers uh, live tonight, uh, go ahead and put those in the comments. We are taking live questions. Uh, so about a few more minutes, we got a few more uh, questions that came in over email. Um, if you do want to email a question for this Q&A show, we do it every single Tuesday night at 7. You can email info at performancemedicine.net. Uh, I get that, and we just collect all the questions throughout the week, and we put them on the show. Um, all right, let's get to this one here. Thoughts on as <laughs> I, I, some of these words. Thoughts on azelastine as a prophylaxis. Would it be safe for children to use that cannot get or do not want the vaccine? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it's a nasal spray. It's an antihistamine nasal spray, and it's been shown to uh, kill the virus, you know, at least in vitro. So, you know, I thought about ordering some myself, but I found another little product today that, um, I'm thinking about getting, um, it's actually, uh, a nasal spray with xylitol in it. And it's supposed to be very effective against the, uh, getting in your nose and mouth as well. Um, it's of course, xylitol is a sugar alcohol. We've, we've known, for a while that it's uh, protective, it's protective against viral illnesses. So also cavities in your mouth. So yeah, I'm not against that at all. 
and Ooh. I think it may help. Next question. Make sure they're taking their vitamins too. Do you believe that vaccinated people can still shed the virus to others, even if they do not show symptoms um, to some level of immunity they may have? I'm not sure what, what the, that second, second part is, um, but do you believe that vaccinated people can still shed the virus? I don't I not only believe that, I think they're shedding the virus. I think they're responsible for some of these um, outbreaks that we have. It seems like whenever we push the vaccines, more people get COVID. So um, I definitely think, think that's occurring. I, I've seen it, like I've seen several patients that get paranoid. I've seen some grandparents get the vaccine, their, their families finally allow them to go travel and visit everybody and uh, at a family reunion and boom, everybody in the darn family has it. And it, no other reason for it. So again, there's no double blind studies on that, but uh, my own personal feeling is it's these vaccinated people are shedding the virus. There, there's, there's no doubt that the vaccines don't prevent you from getting COVID uh, and they don't prevent you from shedding it either. Why else would, would they tell you to wear a mask? You know, they're, they're starting to realize that even though the masks aren't effective, there was a study that came out yesterday. Uh, and this was one of the big universities. Um, and um, it said that the N95 mask is the only one that's anywhere near effective. And it's like 80%. A cloth mask is, I think, maybe 10 to 20% at most. And that's probably overestimating it. But so... You know, a lot of these people that are masking are doing it, you know, worthless. It's worthless. Plus, if you don't have glasses or goggles on, it's going to go straight in your eyes. And, and I will clarify, because uh, thank you, Bianca, for, for clarifying that. Um, it is due to some level of immunity they may have. So the question is, do you believe that vaccinated people can still shed the virus to others, even if they do not show symptoms due to some level of immunity they may have? Um. Yes, I think I think that's happening. You okay. know, you won't hear that from the CDC. But um, again, I saw the head of the CDC last week on television, and she made the statement that if everybody in the United States got the vaccine now, and we all wear masks for two weeks, COVID will be completely wiped out. You know, if you believe that, you know, you must be from a different planet because I, I certainly don't believe that um, at all. I think we'd see more of it. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> I do. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we're going to we're going to get to a uh, uh, a little bit of a, a break from from the COVID questions uh, and on to a hormone question. Uh, my 24 year old, 24 year old daughter had a hormone panel uh, because of low energy T is 34, estradiol 65, uh, progesterone 3.5, DHEA 323 on day 15 of her cycle. I've heard you say that you like T levels to be around 80 in women. Should she consider bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? Well, she certainly doesn't need estrogen or progesterone. If she has symptoms, she might want a little bit of testosterone. I mean, there could be many reasons for low energy. You know, she definitely needs a more complete panel done, like a Cleveland panel uh, that will show adrenal function, insulin levels, um, vitamin levels, thyroid, uh, ferritin. I've already said that. Um, so, I mean, you know, so that's a normal testosterone level, but normal doesn't mean a lot, especially in women. I don't think there's any normal for women. Um but I prefer it if I do replace it that the level's about 80 or 100 maybe. But it just depends on the, the symptoms and what else is going on. It, you know, hormones are complex. You know, and a 24-year-old woman should, should have plenty of hormones. Um, but uh, she may have some other uh, dysfunctions, some other play, or uh, less than optimal level. So you can't just look at a level and say everything's normal there. But... Um, you know, it is normal, but uh, is it optimal? Um, it's optimal, except maybe for on the testosterone level. And that if symptoms, then, uh, you know, if everything else is ruled out, then you could try a, a little bit of tea cream and see how it worked. You know? 
And so. we, um, you mentioned Cleveland Heart Panel. We didn't explain this episode with Robin Riddle. Uh, I'd encourage you go to, to guys to go check that out. It's on YouTube. It's called Explain This. I believe it's episode four. Uh, and she does a deep dive on what the Cleveland Heart Panel is. She does a great job with that. Um, okay, let's go to the, the next one here. Have you heard about the studies with carrageenan nasal sprays, and is that an OT spray or by prescription? That's a hard one to pronounce. I'm not even going to pronounce it, but all I know is I don't want that stuff in my almond milk. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's not, it's kind of a toxin, but there's, there. I did, I don't know how I heard about this, but there is some study that says it may um, be effective against viruses, you know, I guess because it's a toxin, but I don't know enough about it. And I think there's better things that you could take, uh, like the Astelin nose spray we just talked about, or maybe the Xylitol nose spray um, that, um, again, I've been squirting, um, colloidal silver in my nose and in my throat for months now you know i think yeah. that has a very protective effect on uh bacteria viruses fungus I mean, silver is a great little product and it's cheap it's over the counter um it, do you know if carrageenan is otc or or prescription um i would suppose it's going to be otc i don't think it's a it's not a drug so i don't think it's a prescription um all right. Thank you for that. And this one uh, came on Facebook. Um, what do you think about chelation EDTA IVs for cancer? Um, you know, it just depends on what kind of cancer and what's caused it. Um, you know, chelation therapy, uh, chelation means clawing. It's Greek for clawing. And it's it kind of, it, it was found that it worked for uh, lead poisoning when these Navy shipbuilders got lead poisoning by painting these ships back then uh, the paint had lead in it and they got really sick and a lot of them died but uh, so they they started doing chelation in intravenously to detox them from the lead so it, tradition is used for heavy metal uh, detoxification um, for cancer, I don't think it's as proven. Um, I know a lot of people do it. You know, it's you can't do it in Tennessee. It, it, uh, IV legally, there's some people that do it, but it's not really legal in Tennessee. But uh, certainly Virginia, North Carolina, some surrounding states, you can get it done. Um, I think it's more effective really for uh, getting calcium out of your coronary arteries. That's, that's what most people that I know take it for. Matter of fact, I take it orally for that. It's dirt cheap. I mean, it's safe. They put it in baby food and it's maybe not as quick as the IV chelation. Um, but it's certainly, you know, if you just do it daily, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence that it, it probably is going to lower your coronary calcium scoring. That's why I'm doing it. I went from a perfect zero 10 years ago to 92 this year. So I'm definitely getting a little bit of calcium deposits in my coronary arteries. It's not a whole lot, but it's all sitting in my LED. So I want to do something about it, you know? Um, so um, I do the oral EDTA. So, you know, I'm hesitant to say that IV chelation is going to work for cancer. You know, I, of course, I, I really like IV vitamin C, um, you know, for that purpose, um, you can't go around claiming that it works for it. They jerk your license out of, out of your hands in a second if you claim that. Um, but, uh, you know, you can look at a lot of the studies and certainly that's legal to do, but you can't claim it cures cancer. Um, so you can make your decision on whether or not you want to try it for the benefits that it may offer. Um, so... All right. Thank you for that question. Thank you for that answer, Doc. Um, we've got a, an ivermectin question here. Does ivermectin keep you out of the hospital, and how fast do you need to get it in your system? Um, you know, again, I've been taking it prophylactically for about a year now, and I'd get it in my system. If you want to prevent COVID, maybe prophylaxis against COVID. It's not a guarantee, but I found in, in my own little area that I do and the patients that I've done it on, maybe it's at least 
it seems like it's at least 90% or so effective. I've seen some breakthroughs, there's no doubt, that people that have been on I, uh, ivermectin weekly. Um, but if you get COVID, I'd certainly put you on a higher dose of it, you know, for five straight days. And then uh, maybe once a week, we treat a lot of long hauler syndrome, long COVID with it. And um, it seems to be effective. There's many studies that show it's effective. There's other studies that show it doesn't, isn't effective, but, you know, it depends on who's doing the study. But it's certainly a safe medicine. And, um, you know, uh, again, it's, it's probably works a little bit better than hydroxychloroquine, which we used when it, COVID first came out. And um, it got so controversial. But hydroxychloroquine, I think, is an effective drug for it, too. Um, so, you know, again, you get on it as prophylactically if you want and, um, you know, call our office and we'll talk to you about it and find we have places where you can get it. Um, <laughs> some pharmacies won't even give it to people, even with a prescription, you know, but, uh, All right, let's for whatever get this, reason. Let's get this one last question in, because I, I think it's a, I think it's a, actually a common question. Uh, what do you recommend for hiccups when all natural methods aren't working? That's a toughie. Yeah. Um, I can tell you one thing, don't take Thorazine for it. <laughs> I saw a disastrous case with Thorazine. I won't even go into the details, but and that's a psych drug. But, um, you know, there's some kind of diaphragmatic irritation going on when you have the hiccup. So if it persists for a long period of time, you need a chest X-ray, you know, and a blood workup just to make sure nothing else is going on with you. Um, you know, there's been all kinds of stuff that people have used for it. Um, and it's all anecdotal. I, you know, I'm hesitant to even make a recommendation for it because yeah. um, all I can tell you is that if it's prolonged, then I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, home remedies for that. You can search it, but um, I just never see anything that works real well. If it's, it's usually very temporary. I mean, it goes on long periods of time. You need to think about getting a workup for it. You know, certain drugs can probably cause hiccups, but um, it, what, what particular you know, workup? Anything in particular that? Well, I get a chest X-ray and some routine blood work. And, uh, all right. Well, thank you for that. Um, and guys, thank you so much for the questions that came in all week. Uh, these were uh, amazing questions, as always. Uh, we're going to jump into the to the comments now, and uh, we're taking live questions for the rest of the show. Um, thank you so much, guys, for for participating and. And, uh, and asking your questions. We're going to try to get to as many as possible. So um, if you have one, go ahead and put it in. Uh, let's see here. Um, start with Barbara. Barbara. Barbara asks, what's your thoughts on taking omega-3 if you're taking Eliquis? Well, Eliquis is a blood thinner. Um, uh, and omega-3s are can also thin your blood a little bit, but yeah, I think they're fine. They're not contraindicated. If you start bruising a lot or bleeding somewhere, you need to you need to hold off on it. But the omega threes are so helpful for most things. It's it, like I said, it's my number two supplement, right behind vitamin D. And you have to take a pretty good dose of it, you know, to be effective, especially if you're talking about heart protection. The studies that show it didn't work for hearts, they were using such a low dose, it's not going to work. But um, it also is very effective at long code if you use it in pretty high doses. They call it pro-resolving mediators. It's just high doses of EPA, DHA. So, you know, I, I'm okay with it. Start out slow. If you bruise a lot or bleed, stop taking it. All right. Thank you for that, Barbara. Um, let's go down to Sherry. I think this is a, a common question. Uh, what to do when you're a state employee and your state is trying to mandate you to have the COVID vaccine? Um, might be looking for another job. What, what's your opinion on that, Doc? Uh, or maybe looking for another state, you know, <laughs> move to another state like Tennessee. I think I'm going to, I had this great idea this past weekend. I fly the American flag in front of my house. I think I'm going to temporarily take it down, not because I'm, I'm really not a patriotic American, but I'm going to put the Tennessee flag up for a while and because I'm <laughs> proud of our state. I mean, our state has really stepped up and, you know, we're we're probably one of the best states to live in now for a lot of reasons, but 
especially COVID. I mean, you know, they're not mandating masks at our local school and our vaccinations. Uh, so um, I'm proud of our state. So come to Tennessee, you there know, you if you don't live here. But, um, you know, some people are going to probably be forced to make a decision on whether to keep your job or, you know, take the vaccine. Um, so you just got to weigh that, you got to weigh that thing out. I mean, you're probably going to be okay if you take the vaccine, you know, um, but make sure your immune system's ready for it to so take CD and zinc and maybe NAC, um, and omega threes, um, and get out, exercise, make sure you're, you know, you get plenty of sleep. You're not stressed and get ready if you have to take that vaccine to, you know, maybe experience a little discomfort. And, um, but, uh, yeah, that's a tough situation. That's something, that's a big question now. Yeah. You know, what are people going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, I saw an interesting thing on, on the internet today where all these Italians that had been vaccinated had a big rally and a big protest and they were all burning their vaccine cards to support those people who oh. uh, wanted the right not to take it. I mean, I got goosebumps because that was so cool to watch, you know, people standing up for people's other people's rights. They called it, they were chanting Liberté, or it means liberty in Italian. Uh, so cool. that was a pretty cool thing. So. Yeah. You know, you should have the right to make your own decision. That's what our country is all about. And um, I hope those rights aren't taken away and you don't lose your job. It's just such, such a shame. Or, you know, a lot of places they're, they're making you wear a red dot or something, you know, if, if you're unvaccinated. You know, it's a horrible thing to do to people. You know, you're marking people out for shame and uh, you're... Uh, <laughs> If you get around somebody, I'm not going to mention what, this is a huge company and there's several of them doing it, you know, and if, if, if you go to the lunchroom or the break room and you see somebody with a red dot on their name tag, you immediately have to mask up because you're getting around, you know, a leopard person because they're unvaccinated. <laughs> when you don't know that you, you yourself are probably shedding the vaccine if, or the virus if you've been vaccinated. So it's, it's just a crazy situation. Um, so... All right, let's go to, to Kathy over on YouTube. Thank you for, for the question, Kathy. Uh, should people get their antibodies tested because of COVID? And if you test high, does that mean you won't get COVID? You know, the antibody uh, blood test checks for B cells, and we've done a lot of it. Yeah, I wouldn't blame anybody for getting their antibodies checked. You know, if you've had COVID or think you may have had it. Um, a lot of people had COVID, didn't even know it. The problem is, so it makes you feel kind of good. You know, if your antibodies are positive, um, IgM means recent infection, IgG, which means past infection. But, you know, if you have those antibodies, you know, you're probably immune, probably definitely immune for a while. The problem is, um, you know, with, and with, if you've taken a vaccine, it's a worthless test to get because the vaccine is not going to show antibodies. So it's not a bad idea to get, but they'll disappear after a while, you know, um, even if you've had the natural COVID, because it doesn't show T-cell immunity, which is what it goes into after the B-cells kind of show it. And the T-cell immunity is what's the most important thing. There is going to be a, there is a test out there that I'm thinking about ordering for people that uh, does show if, you, if you've got T-cells. So keep your ears tuned for that. Um, it's a special test that I know insurance won't cover, but um, uh, more information on that later. All right. Good and, question. And guys, if you want to watch the, the video that Dr. Rogers mentioned, uh, thank you, Katie, for, for posting this. This is the link uh, to the YouTube video. What was the doctor's name? I'm sorry. Um, hang on. I just uh, Dr. Dan Stock, S-T-O-C-K-M-D. Thank you for that, Katie. Um, you guys can, can check that out. Uh, well worth the time. Um, so, so thank you for that. All right, let's get to Janet. Janet, what's going on? So good to see you. Um, Janet asked, are you familiar with the science 37ADG20 antibody therapy research study? I'm thinking about participating in the study and value your opinion. Thank you in advance. Uh, thank you for valuing my opinion, but I don't know about it. Um, hmm. I truly am not familiar with that study. I bet Mark Milford is, <laughs> but 
I'll write it down and kind of look it up and, it, you know, see what I think about it. And uh, some of my colleagues are probably familiar with it that, that I'll confer with across the country that, um, but uh, no, I don't know much about it. I'm interested though. So I'll have to look that up. Janet, we will, Thanks. we'll look that up and, and, uh, and shoot you a direct message if we find something. So thank you for that. Um, all right, let's see, Mike, Mike, what's going on, man? Um, so good seeing you in here, uh, regarding vaccines. What are your thoughts on the HPV vaccine, especially for males? Uh, it was good to see you yesterday, Mike. Wish I had more time to spend with you. Um, but when you came by, unfortunately I was trying to dig a bullet out of a patient's arm yesterday. You don't do get, to, I don't get to do that much, but I actually removed a bullet from his arm in my office. So that was a lot of fun. So I was busy, but I saw you. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with you. But, uh, and by the way, I got it. It was really sharp and fragmented. It was a 45 caliber bullet. Um, but, um, but if you get shot, I will tell you, go to the emergency. Don't come into my office. This bullet had been in there for a few years. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was so, getting ready to clarify it. Say, yeah. hey, go to the ER, yeah. guys, if, if, if something like that yeah. happens. Um, <laughs> And this bullet ricocheted off a steel post and went back into his arm. A big bullet would have killed him if it hit anywhere else. So don't shoot your gun at target practice at something like a steel target <laughs> tip. So, um, Mike, um, I think the HP vaccine is great. You know, um, you know, it, the human papillomavirus, you know, they recommend it to, to males and females at a young age. And uh, I certainly told my kids about it. That At that time, when they first came out, it was just for females, but males can get it too. And it can cause cancer later in life. So, you know, I, I think they're going to give this vaccine, which is not like the COVID vaccine, please. Um, but uh, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good thing because HPV doesn't only cause warts, it can kill you because it can cause cancer. So I'm all for it. All right. Thank you for that question. Again, Mike. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Right. Um, this is COVID vaccine is not like your typical vaccine. It's not even a vaccine, really. It's gene therapy that they call a vaccine. All um, right. So Carol asks, you said reinfection is rare. With this latest surge, are there any stats out there on reinfection of those that have had COVID but are not vaccinated? Have you treated any, any uh, reinfections of those who have not been vaccinated? You know, I'm trying to think, and, and the, I, I'm going to do. My, I'm going to try to tally my own thing up because when I treat COVID now, I have a specific flow sheet, and now I'm putting vaccinated or unvaccinated, and um, you know, I just can't say that I've, I've seen it. I don't think I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't actually don't think I've treated any patients that have had COVID, the COVID disease that, you know, I've had to treat twice. Um, uh, of course, unvaccinated, I've treated many and vaccinated, I've treated many. Um, and there's a thought that maybe the vaccine may protect you against uh, being hospitalized or death. I mean, so maybe so, I don't know, you know, but um, I haven't seen any uh, that I've had to retreat. Um, but I'm sure there's, there's a few out there that have had it more than once, but I think it's pretty rare. Thank you for um, that, Carol. Um, Tracy, what's going on, Tracy? Good to see you as always. Um, should I be taking ivermectin prior to traveling out of the country? And how soon to start it before I travel? Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend anybody get on it right now while we're surging. Um, yeah, I would definitely take it while you're traveling, while you're here. Um, yeah, my recommendations are yes, take it. Call the office. Any, um, so I guess how soon would be now. <laughs> it's now, now, now's the time. Plus, you probably won't get worms on your trip either, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, or scabies or lice. We treat, we'll treat that stuff with it, too. So. Carter has a question. Uh, Carter, I hope you're doing wonderful. Um, her question is, what is your recommendation for dosage on vitamin D for younger females? Should we be 
should we be talking more in the coming months with taking more in the coming funks, months with fall and spring, fall and winter approaching? Yeah, for sure. You know, you get less vitamin D in the winter and fall. You know, most people are low year round. So um, it depends on the age. You know, all adults should take uh, vitamin D at 5,000 units. Uh, but check your levels. The main thing is you got to check your levels and see. I recommend uh, for any adults that they take D with K. Um, and for really young kids, you know, you can use uh, the vitamin D dropper. You know, um, one drop, I think, has 2,000 units in it. That's a pretty good dose for most people. Uh, it'd be very, very hard to overdose on that. The only cases I've ever heard of overdose of vitamin D were on young, very young kids where the parents thought that they were supposed to give a whole dropper full, you know, uh, instead of one drop. And it took months and months and months for them to get toxic. But that's, that has happened before, rare. Um so, but check your levels, you know, um, of vitamin D. And it depends on the age. But, and also, have these young kids take some C, too. Hmm. You know, uh, whether it's in your Flintstones chewables and, or your gummies. C and D for kids, for sure. Well, what's your thoughts on emergency? Uh, put it like having like the it. emergency powder in, in a drink versus taking the, the supplement. I like it. I like it. All right. Thank you for the question, Carter. Um, Shelly asks, how are they discerning the variant from the novel COVID-19 or anything for that matter? Um, you know, when we see a COVID patient, there's no way that we're going to, you know, be able to tell if it's what variant it is in, in some of the research centers and probably hospitals have that capability, but, um, you know, for epidemiologic research and all, but, um, you know, right now, um, I assume most of it is, is the Delta variant. Um, and there'll be more to come. I mean, this, this thing is not going to be over with anytime soon. I'm hoping we get some herd immunity. You know, it hasn't proven to come yet with all the vaccinated 170 million Americans vaccinated. How many million have had COVID? Millions and millions have had it. So we're still having outbreaks. So, you know, I think we'll get uh, herd immunity when more people um, have had the natural disease. Um, but I certainly don't think the masks have stopped it and the vaccines have not stopped it. Um, so I, I know this goes against what you're going to hear on the news. It just does. Um, but, you know, you have all these experts that telling you, like I, I watched the news last night. I rarely watch the news anymore because it's so disgusting and full of misinformation. But um, I think it was the president of one of the big companies. I think it was Delta. You know, they're going to require all their employees to get it. And, um, you know, here's the president of Delta who's not a doctor. He's a business guy telling, you know, given his, in my research, I think, you know, everybody needs a vaccine, even kids. And uh, we may even require you know, passengers to get it. Uh, that'll be up to the government, but we strongly want that. And definitely all, if you don't get the vaccine, you work for Delta, you're out of a job. So, but he's talking like he was a doctor or something. Like he treated it mm -hmm. or, you know, taking, you know, he was just a regular person. He didn't know Jack about COVID, you know, he just listens to the media, you know. All right, Shelly, thank you. It's a power you. play. It's a power play. For sure. For um, sure. So, Shelly, thank you for that question. Uh, guys, thank you so much for, for hanging out tonight. Uh, this is our uh, 7 p.m. live Q&A show that we do every single Tuesday. So if you're new here, uh, welcome. Um, so glad that you're here. We're doing this uh, every single Tuesday at 7. Um, so we appreciate you guys. Say hello if you're new. Uh, we'd love to, to get to know you. Um, okay, let's get to Molly here. Molly asks, what do you think about the worth of having a GI map done? Um, we've done a few, uh, a few uh, doctor's notes, and we didn't explain this on the GI map. Uh, no, it wasn't explained this. It was a common sense MD on uh, the GI map. Uh, Doc, what's your, what's your thought on that? You know, um, you know, definitely if you eat a lot of donuts, Molly, then you need to get a <laughs> GI map because donuts have a lot of yeast in them. <laughs> um, inside joke. But uh, – 
Molly's great. She doesn't eat donuts, but uh, <laughs> she probably needs to eat a few more donuts or drink some protein shakes or something. But anyway, um, <laughs> she's the one patient I try to put weight on instead of get it off everybody else. But um, Molly, I think it's a good test. I went over one today, found a lot of useful information on a patient with a lot of GI distress. So, you know, if nothing else is working, you know, you've seen the GI doc, you've been scoped, found nothing, you've you know, looked at your diet, tried to cut out glutens, dairy, soy, corn, nightshades, um, maybe done a food allergy test or something. But um, if you have a lot of GI gut problems, then definitely the GI map is um, really a useful test. Um, we find a lot of, of uh, different things in that test. It's complex. You know, I go over a few of them, and uh, our, our resident expert is Robin Riddle, uh, Knoxville, so I defer to her on a lot of it. And uh, but uh, it's a useful test, you know. If you if you just at your wits end, you can't figure out what's going on with your gut. You've tried everything else. Then the GI map is definitely worth doing. You know, uh, it's 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 an eye opener. Let's put it that way. I think the the story with Andy, you know, my brother who's our PA and uh, in Johnson City is pretty wild, and and Robin. Uh, went over his GM, GI map with him, and and you know he had had I, was it psoriasis or was it you know some sort yeah, of yeah he mm-hmm. had had that and 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 I think we were thinking it was one thing and the GI map said it was something completely different. Am I wrong yeah. on that? No, you're right on that. I mean, we thought he may have a yeast overgrowth since he's a type one diabetic, but cer- certainly didn't have that. Had some other things like H. pylori and a few other bacteria. His uh, he, he really. Uh, his gut was off. And again, if you can't figure out why you feel bad and all the tests come back normal, um, I always ask about your gut function. And usually it's off, especially people with autoimmune diseases. So, um, you know, think about looking into your, your gut a little bit and that microbiome that we talk about all the time. Um, right. You know, so I think it's a good it's a good thing to do, especially if something like Digest Shield doesn't work, which is the greatest GI product I've ever run into. Um, but, uh, but anyway, good question. All right. Thank you for that, Molly. Um, check out the, the Common Sense MD is on YouTube. Um, uh, there is a, uh, I think Dr. Rogers and Robin are doing a, uh, doing a little conversation about it, super informative around that test. Uh, what's up, Mark? Um, Mark asks, can you recommend any peptides for therapeutic use in the prevention of COVID-19? Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, so of course I love peptides, which are just a string of amino acids meant to act as a signal or almost like a hormone would act to signal part of your body to, um, uh, produce an effect like Samorlin or Ipamorlin will cause your own body to produce more growth hormone, which is beneficial, which can't hurt. But yeah, I would say, you know, the one I would probably lean to um, is probably BPC-157. Um, it's, it's BPC stands for Body Protection Complex. So there's a lot of evidence that it definitely helps your gut. And that's another thing I'll add to gut dysfunction is BPC-157, but it's also got a lot of immune-stimulating properties. So I think that's one I would definitely think about getting. There's so many peptides out there with a lot of claims, um, but that's a great question. That'd be my favorite for that. Again, along with the vitamin NAC, N-acetylcysteine, uh, definitely you should be taking that right now, especially if you have COVID or long hauler syndrome. Um, but, uh, I'm sure Mark's going to send me a bunch of stuff on peptides tomorrow and then I'll have to go through at 6am to look at it. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Uh, thank you for that, uh, question, Mark. Uh, Michaela kind of picks up on that. Um, what are your thoughts on, you just said it and I'd lost it. I know it's knack, knack and quercetin in helping fight off COVID. (laughs) Why don't you pronounce that one? Yeah, that's wild that we just got that because I just said it. Yeah, yeah, definitely NAC is a great. It increases your body's own production of glutathione, which is the body's most potent antioxidant. Um, it's very hard to take it. Or you can get a liposomal glutathione and it may work, but I like NAC, the precursor. And, of course, quercetin is one of those 
flavonoids that is really helpful for um, taking every day for your immune system. Certainly, if you get uh, COVID, you need to add that to your regimen. That's in our protocol. So, All great right. question. Thank you for that question, Michaela. Um, okay, let's get to a few more here. Ravonda asks, uh, any new studies in helping people regain their sense of smell post-COVID? Uh, this 14-year-old had uh, mild symptoms and is post-COVID four months. Yeah, um, that's a toughie, you know, and it doesn't seem to matter how severe or mild your disease was if you had uh, the olfactory uh, tract involved, which is a sense of smell, um, you know, it, you can still get it, and it can last for months. Usually it clears up. I would recommend using Flonase, you know, which is a nasal steroid spray. That helps in a lot of cases. Um, you know, sometimes I'll use Ivermectin. Uh, that seems to speed up the recovery process a lot. Um, sometimes, I, if nothing else works, I'll use a little oral steroid. Um, and also, you can kind of retrain your sense of smell. I have one patient who hadn't had any smell for a year post-COVID. Um, but anyway, so um, retraining your sense of smell, meaning, you know, pour some different substances in a bowl, and like coffee or cinnamon and put your nose up to it and smell it and you'll associate that this is cinnamon smell it cinnamon you kind of retrain your huh. brain like that a little bit that's interesting kind of like pavlov's dogs i guess i don't know yeah, but uh do some of those things and uh you know uh look at that i i actually think this next one's a really interesting question um because, you know, we've talked about it, you know, off air. And it, so I, I actually know this, uh, but we don't we, we haven't talked about this publicly at all. Um, what is the success rate for the COVID patients that you have treated? Hospitalizations, death. Um, gosh, I know we have a good track record. Um, there's been two deaths that out of the thousands of people and they both had um, comorbidities. Um, Unfortunately, probably didn't get treated early enough. Maybe one of them did, but, um, you know, it's just tragic. And, and, occasion, and again, occasionally, I haven't had any, but there's an occasional outlier that will be, uh, you know, a young, uh, younger, like 30, 35-year-old uh, that uh, will get it and die, usually without being treated um, until it's too late, but... Um, so two deaths I've had, you know, I should have kept track of this as far as how many people I've treated and whether they ended up in the hospital. But, um, I mean, gosh, we'll start home O2 on oxygen on people. We, we, we'll try to keep them out of the hospital. So we've had a very good success rate. Um, I would estimate that maybe... 15 or 20 have had, I've recommended they go to the hospital. Um, but uh, they usually do a lot better if they're on the, the medicines by that time. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, if their O2 sats drop, you know, below 90, I start getting really worried. I really pop up their steroid use and um, do a few other things. Of course, with nebulizers, maybe home O2. Um, there's been, there's been a handful of patients that I have begged to go to the hospital. They just wouldn't do it and they made it. I had to send oxygen to their house, but, um, you know, a lot of prayer with those people, but, yeah. uh, but a good question. So I think we've had a really good track record and, um, uh, so there's no doubt in my mind that early treatment really helps. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to. To this one, uh, Heather over on YouTube. Hello, Heather. Uh, thank you for uh, for hanging out with us. Um, hi, you guys are a gift in truth and medicine. Oh, thank you. We really appreciate that. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner in Georgia. Shout out to all the nurse practitioners out there. So pumped to have the nurse practitioners with us. Uh, can you break down the ivermectin dosage guidelines for COVID prevention, post-exposure, and current illness? Um, yeah. I actually think this is great. Um, if you guys are a provider, um, if you're a you know, nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, or a, or a medical doctor, you know, please you know, say hello. We'd love to, 
to, to, to have you guys on here. This is so cool. So what's the, what's the breakdown of ivermectin dosage guidelines? Well, usually just for prevention, I usually use 15 milligrams of um, ivermectin once a week. Um, uh, I used to use a lot of hydroxychloroquine, which I'll still use occasionally. If somebody wants it, like 200 milligram twice a week. Um, but for um, post-ex- post-exposure and current illness, it just really gets a little complex, especially the treatment of it, because it's weight-based and there's a lot of other things. It's too, too short a time to really go into it, but I'll be glad to send you my protocol. Or you can, of course, look up on uh, the frontline doctors, the, um, the protocols that we have from there. But if you'll leave your email, I'll have Ben uh, uh, email you the protocol that we use. Um, it's the Math Plus protocol if you want to look at it. Um, developed originally at Eastern Virginia School of Medicine. Uh, but uh, it's pretty well outlined there. But, I, you know, I've added some things to my own protocol. Um, so, yeah, leave, leave Ben your email address. I'll be glad to send it to you. Uh, Heather, um, what you can do is you can email info at performance. Actually, email Ben at performancemedicine.net, and, uh, and then I'll send back uh, that, that math protocol. Great. And don't be, don't be afraid to, to treat this. I mean, you're doing the right thing. You may get some grief from, you know, other colleagues or pharmacists, but I'm telling you, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so jump in early, d- dig a little bit deep, do your research, be confident about what you're doing. And please go, please see this video that we've sh- shared a link tonight. I mean, that, that's going to blow you away because it's just so short and so good. It covers about everything, not the protocols and everything, but he's he's definitely huge on ivermectin. So uh, I hope everybody watches that. I really do. But uh, yeah, um, Heather, be glad to send you the the stuff that I use. Um, great that you're treating it, willing to treat it. Yes, thank you for that. You, know, you almost have to stick your neck out a little bit. Yeah, you know, but. Uh, um, happy tre- for you. Thank you for that, Heather. And, and Trevor asked, uh, I had my first visit with you scheduled in September. Anything I can do to get my ivermectin before then? Um, Trevor, I'll yeah, just call the office. Just yeah. call the office. Yeah, I'll get this to the to the right hands, Trevor. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you for, for yeah, that. Start we'll, now. Start now. We'll take care of you there. Um, okay, Myra asked. we got a few more, just a few more minutes left, guys. Um, Myra asked, had, had Johnson vaccine early April, any wait time before getting flu vaccine when it comes out this fall? Um, not really. If you decide to get the flu vaccine, um, back when I took it, I used to get it in, uh, in November. So it'd kind of cover you till spring. Um, so, I mean, you could get it anytime you wanted, you know, um, and you'd probably do fine with it. Um, but, uh, you know, what was weird was we didn't see any flu last year, saw no flu. Um, so that was a weird thing, you know, People say, well, it's because we were more hygienic, you know, washing our hands, which a lot of truth to that, or wearing the mask or, you know, whatever. I, I think a lot of uh, what was called COVID may have been flu because those cycle thresholds with the, with the PCR testing was so inaccurate. So a lot of that may have been flu. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Quest Lab does have a, a special test a swab that will differentiate between COVID, influenza, respiratory syncytial virus, mycoplasm. It's a pretty good test. I haven't gotten to use it yet because um, of the the cost of it, but, um, you know, the coding and all that, but that's something to be a a really good test to get. Of course, in flu, if you get flu, you need to know it because, you know, you can be treated with Zofluza, one-time treatment, or Tamiflu. You know, it's really cuts down on the uh, duration of your influenza. So, you know, gosh, it's going to be interesting about the flu vaccine this year with all the work on the other vaccine makes you wonder if if it's going to be accurate because usually it's about 30% effective, you know, sometimes a little bit more, but I'm not against you taking it, but, you know, certainly do the other stuff to protect yourself. And if you think you have the flu or COVID, get a test. See which one it is. 
All right. Our RSV, we're seeing a lot of RSV too. What's RSV? Um, respiratory syncytial virus. You think of, you know, kids getting that, which they do more often, but even adults can get it too. All right. Well, um, but, uh, thank you for that question. Good question. Myra. Uh, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Um, man, uh, what a show. This has been such a, such a great show. We've got great questions. Uh, they came, uh, came in the comments. They came out throughout the week. Uh, just really want to say thank you to everybody who is hanging out with us tonight, uh, who's making this show, this show really fun for us. And, uh, and, and, and remember, like, I think it's, you know, your questions, you know, really help a lot of people. So, you know, for the people who ask questions, that means a lot to us. It means a lot to, you know, the community here. And, uh, so we really appreciate it. We really appreciate the questions. It's not easy to do that. Um, it, it helps us help more people. So, so thank you for doing that. Dr. Rogers, thank you for your time today, man. Thanks, Ben. Enjoyed it. It's we'll been see you next week. Fun as always. Uh, we love you guys. Um, we will be back, uh, next week, uh, Tuesday, same time, uh, our live Q and a with Dr. Rogers. We're going to uh, do this every single week. We love you. Thank you so much for being here. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, hope to see you back. Uh, if you have not, real quick, real quick, if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do it. Uh, we put all of our videos up there uh, as soon as they're ready. Um, so typically on Tuesday, we, we upload uh, between two and three videos. And then throughout the week, we uh, do our best to get everything out there. So uh, YouTube channel, Performance Madison, we really appreciate it. Guys, love you. We're going to get out of here. See y'all next week. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.